At a meeting on Tuesday night, the board of the Rockwell Falls Public Library in the Southern Adirondacks announced that it's finally hired a new library manager and will reopen next Friday. The library has been closed for almost five months, leaving four towns without access to the regular programming and public spaces that libraries are supposed to provide. The library closed after a public controversy over a drag queen story hour event. The event never actually took place, but the disagreement about it divided the community, and the situation spiraled out of control. More coming up on this edition of Story of the Day. Support for Story of the Day is brought to you by Claxton Hepburn Medical Center, remaining dedicated to providing high-quality, personalized care to patients. ClaxtonHepburn.org. Hi, I'm Lucy Grindon. It's Thursday, February 22nd. First up, some news. The head of New York's Department of Environmental Conservation will be stepping down this spring. Basil Segos has led the state DEC since 2015. He announced his decision to leave the post on Wednesday. Under Segos, the DEC has made significant land purchases in the Adirondacks, protecting tens of thousands of acres. Most recently, Segos announced a land purchase to help protect Fallensby Pond near Saranac Lake. Segos plans to stay at the DEC through the current state budget negotiations. A public library in the southern Adirondacks is set to reopen next week, after almost half a year of being closed. The library serves four small towns, Lake Luzerne, Stony Creek, Hadley, and Day. The area erupted with controversy last spring, after the library invited a drag queen to come read books to kids. In September, the librarian and another employee resigned. That was five months ago, but now the library has finally hired a new manager. Here's my story. The Rockwell Falls Public Library has been through a lot in the past year. Last April, dozens of people showed up at a meeting to discuss a drag queen story hour event on the calendar. Some spoke against it, including local Baptist pastor Josh Jacquard, who was elected to the library's board the following month. Others were in favor of the idea. The meeting turned into a shouting match. This is not a mandatory thing for your kids to The drag queen event never actually happened. But months later, the librarian said employees were still being harassed by the public at work. Last September, the librarian and the youth services director resigned, shutting the library's doors. The board should have been able to hire someone else to run the library a lot sooner. But board members were at an impasse on almost every issue. Three of them resigned, so the board didn't have a quorum, and it couldn't do anything. In December, the New York Education Department got involved. The State Board of Regents appointed three new trustees, including the library board's new president, Ted Merzak. I've had an awful lot of people stop me uh on the street and in the store and whatever, saying, when are you going to open that library? We need that library. And we took that to heart. On Tuesday night, Merzak and his fellow board members announced that they've hired a new library manager. Her name's Marion Allen. She grew up in the area, according to the library's press release. And she's been working in the elementary school library for the local Hadley-Luzerne Central School District for eight years. 
With Alan in charge, the library will open again on March 1st, next Friday, making room for reading, computer access, book club meetings, and story hours for kids. Merzak says Alan will be responsible for programming. We're not going to micromanage the library manager. Of course, library programming could cause conflict again, the way it did last year with the Drag Queen Story Hour controversy. Merzak says they'll have to cross that bridge if they come to it. In the meantime, he says the best thing the library can do is try and figure out what people want. To that end, the board also announced on Tuesday night that it's reconstituting the Strategic Planning Committee to survey community members. The committee will have to write up an official strategic plan. Merzak says the state is requiring all public libraries to submit those. The deadline to do so has actually already passed. But we've been given a little grace period because of the chaos, and they know we're working on it. So, yeah, that will definitely inform us as to where we go with what sort of programs and the kinds of things people want and how we would react to things that are controversial. No question about it. Merzak says the board's first priority was just to hire someone to open the library. And now they've gotten that done. He also says the board may appoint up to two more community members to the Strategic Planning Committee and may also hire a couple additional employees in the near future. Lucy Grindon, North Country Public Radio. February is Black History Month, and this week we've been revisiting some stories that delve into Black history in our region. Last year, a North Country historian released a book that details the lives of Black people in St. Lawrence County, from before the Revolutionary War through the 1930s, when white supremacists drove out most of the area's Black community. Catherine Wheeler brings us this story. Brian Thompson says his interest in St. Lawrence County's Black history started with his children's education. I am the adoptive parent of two Black children. And when my son was in fourth grade in the conference with his teacher near the end of the year, I asked about what Black history my son had learned. And the response is that he was absent the one day we talked about Black history. Thompson is the town of DeKalb's historian. He's researched the North Country's history for decades and won awards for his work. Thompson also taught courses for future elementary school history teachers at SUNY Potsdam. He says he knew teachers at the time didn't have a lot of resources about Black history in New York State, let alone the North Country. friend of mine who was an English teacher, an African-American English teacher at SUNY Potsdam, said to me, if you don't write it, nobody else will. And so then I started. It took me 20 years of research to put this book together. That book is called African Americans of St. Lawrence County. Thompson says the North Country's Black history starts right when Europeans began to colonize the area. When Abby Frances Piquet came to found La Presentation in what's today Ogdensburg, he came with an enslaved man, Charles, and the community at La Presentation included a black woman who was a midwife only listed in the birth and death records as the Negress, so we don't have a name for her. Thompson says before New York finally emancipated slaves in 1827, the wealthiest families in St. Lawrence County enslaved people in places like Waddington and Ogdensburg. It was a sign of social status. Thompson says after emancipation, the white people in the county wouldn't sell land to black people. That meant they had to move around to find work. 
Before the Civil War, relations between white and black people in St. Lawrence County varied from community to community. Thompson says there were a lot of interracial marriages and people could get along, but all of that changed after the Civil War. The N-word slang started to appear in huge numbers in the local papers, and the local papers were in serial stories, putting out all the stereotypes that we've heard of, racist stereotypes that didn't appear in the press before then. Then the racist propaganda film The Birth of a Nation was shown in St. Lawrence County in the 1920s. The Madrid newspaper editor talking about how young people should go to see the movie to learn about the big mistake of trying to integrate black people into society and treat them as equal human beings. And Madrid was one of the centers of the abolitionist movement during the Civil War and after the Civil War, the Scotch Presbyterian Church raised large amounts of money and sent members to the South to teach in the freedom schools that that taught illiterate former slaves how to read and write and do math. And here a generation later, newspaper editors telling people we need to learn that that was a mistake and we should never have done that. The Ku Klux Klan rose in the North Country between the 1920s and 30s. Thompson says papers in faraway places like Chicago warned black people about migrating to a place like Messina, where the Klan was terrorizing black residents. Thompson says this was the peak of anti-black racism in St. Lawrence County. And by the 1930s, almost all of the black communities were gone. Thompson says the Black community's resilience is the most important takeaway of the book. He says this history has always been a part of the North Country, and it's important to acknowledge and learn about it. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio, in DeKalb. More news all the time at ncpr.org. Music today by I Am Snow Angel of Lake Placid and Dan Duggan of Lake Clear. I'm Lucy Grinden, North Country Public Radio.